man who really needs no introduction, but we'll give him one anyway, is the host of First Take on ESPN, his new ESPN radio show, which you'll hear on these airwaves from 2 to 3 p.m. Starting next week, debuts Monday, August the 17th. Max Kellerman, folks, let's listen to a conversation I had with Max just before we hit the airwaves today. Now you'll hear it on the airwaves. Well, Max, thanks for joining us today. Absolute pleasure to have you here. And, you know, I know what we've been doing through a pandemic, through coronavirus, trying to talk sports. And then I want to get your perspective on this now. How, how have you handled on first take? And then, of course, coming up here on radio, going from months of, hey, we're going to play sports to almost having too many sports to talk about. It's it, It's been just what a transition from nothing to everything, it seems. Yeah, it's amazing. And, and my fear is that it'll be short-lived. You know, I think the NBA will be able to crown a champion the way they've handled things. Um, now that baseball is talking about uh, maybe a bubble format for the playoffs, um, um, I'm still, I would say, under 50-50 that they'll crown a champion, but I'm thinking they have a fighting chance now. Um, I'm very pessimistic about football, and I'm mad about it because I, I feel like it may be impossible to really successfully pull off a season of tackle football during a pandemic you know, without, a, without vaccinations and stuff, but at least make your best faith effort to do it. You know, that would look something like, uh, let's play an eight game season. You get prorated salaries. We'll do it in 10 weeks. You can't bring your families. It has to be in a bubble, you know, two AFC, two NFC bubbles close to each other. The the AFC bubbles and the NFC bubbles, because you don't want airline travel, no interconference games during the season. You know, you'll get retested before the playoffs after you see your families and stuff like something like that. I think hmm, they got a, they got a chance to pull this off, but the NFL is talking about seventeen game season, um, no bubbles. It, it does not. I, I don't see how with, with when you add support staff, hundred people traveling on each team, there aren't going to be multiple cancellations, and then ultimately a season that can't be completed, especially heading into flu season, where uh, you know they're expecting a second or third wave, depending on how you you, you count it. So, so like I'm, I'm really uh, mad about that. I wish they would have given themselves a better chance. And I'm, and I'm as much as I'm enjoying what we have right now, because what's better than driving around in the summer with a baseball game on the radio? I fear that it could all get shut down very quickly. And 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 um, I'm, I'm hoping the NBA crowns a champion. I think they will. But I'm pessimistic about the other sports. Well, here's how these worlds are colliding in a way right now, Max, because you mentioned football. and Can they pull off 17 games? Well, maybe some windows are opening up for them to move into. As we speak here, the Big Ten has canceled fall sports, including football. Who knows how many of the other Power Fives will follow suit. I would imagine all of them, all of them would eventually have to, right? Some of them are going to kick the can down the road a little further, but... It's hard to see that happening. So maybe those Saturday windows open up for the NFL to move into. But, boy, it's interesting when you look at it. The sports that are in a bubble work. The sports that can't go into a bubble don't work. But a fall without football, without college football, even in this pandemic and this weird world of 2020, that's hard to comprehend in a way. Yeah, it really sucks about college football. The truth is, under any circumstances, probably they couldn't have done this season. But I don't feel like... Like the, the, there were no adults in the room. I don't feel like they gave themselves even a fighting chance. I think one of the reasons for that is all the hypocrisy and double talk about student athletes and how much we care about the students and all that was so it was such a bald faced lie 
when you saw really what this was about was the cash. There's so much money at stake. And there may be like the best way to try to pull off college football is, okay, the athletes will live in a bubble. Whether or not there's online classes or, or in-person classes, you know, we, we, can, we can maybe do this. But then you know, there are rules against that because whatever's available to student athletes, I think it's 51% of the student body has to have access to it. Or else what you're really doing is admitting that they're unpaid labor, right. which they are. And I think that, the, that though the powers that be can't face that. They don't want to give that up. So they never really gave themselves a fighting chance to have a season. And, and I'm, I'm unsurprised by this result. But, yeah, of course, it's, it, you know, it's terrible. Another note, Max, uh, Syracuse, Carmelo Anthony territory. And I know uh, your colleagues on First Take have been breaking your chops a little <laughs> bit about some, some prior takes on Carmelo. Look, one way or the other, this has been incredible. He's come into the bubble, and it was happening even before they went into the bubble. But he's proven it at the very least, I think, and I wonder if you agree, that he still has a role in this league. What that role is, we're still kind of seeing develop before our very eyes. But this whole concept that he shouldn't have been in the league at all, I think we've we've at least proven that that's not the case. Yeah, well, first of all, let me say this. I'm going to talk about Syracuse. When I was on Around the Horn, you know, sometimes you get on a roll, you're so hot, everything you pick is right. Sometimes you can't pick your own nose, right? But... On around the horn, I was on one of those rolls. I, you know, I took uh, I took uh, Tampa in the Super Bowl over the Raiders, and I took Ohio State over Miami, and I took Syracuse to win the whole thing. There you go, because of Carmelo Anthony, and he had help on that squad. But I looked at Car- everyone was talking about was it at the time uh, T.J. Ford and different guys. I was like, oh, Carmelo was the best player in the country, pretty obviously, at least you know, other than LeBron, like of the college players. And and so I've been a big Carmelo Anthony fan. I think he's been an underrated passer at his best, right? Because he had all that gravity. Guys would suck toward him because, because he, he couldn't leave him open, and he would find the open man, and on 50-win teams and stuff, he's a winning player and a clutch player. But the truth of the matter is he got traded and cut twice because, because the league changed out from under his feet. You know, he was one of the all-time great uh, scorers. He could score in so many different ways. His skills were superb. But the league changed from an ISO-scoring kind of league. And as that's happening, it was happening. It coincided with his decline physically. So he was never much of a defender. And, and so then it became, okay, well, what can you do for a team? He wasn't some great spot-up shooter, right? Catch-and-shoot three-point artist. He wasn't a defender, so he wasn't a 3-and-D guy. What was he exactly? What he was was a guy who could lead a second unit or be, or be a guy who could go get his own shot in a second unit. But given his defensive deficiencies, it looked like a 15-minute-a-game kind of player. I never thought he wasn't an NBA player. But, like, can Carmelo accept 15 minutes a game? They're the ninth guy on the bench. And GMs around the league were saying, it's too much pressure to play a Hall of Famer. You know, so, so it was a bad situation for him, both in OKC and Houston, right? Where, where you heard, hey, he's trying his hardest. He's trying to do the right thing. He's trying to fit in. It's just not working. He can't, like, his specialized skills aren't what we need them to be. But what's happened is he lost weight. He found a great situation. He was extremely motivated, and he's accepted his role. And he has disproven theories by people like me who said he's a 15-minute-a-night player. Carmelo Anthony is showing that he is a starting forward in the NBA on a really good team and can be a third scoring option on a playoff powerhouse. Because if they make it in, they're going to be a very tough out. So, yeah, he's proven me wrong. But I, but I think that based on the evidence he was presenting for several years, I was right at the time. 
and what he did was show that that there's still something in there, and, and he got he he unlocked it. Uh, he got in shape. He found the right situation, and he's playing great. Love that throwback to 2003. By the way, they weren't even ranked to start that season, and all of a sudden, we knew pretty quickly uh, there was something special brewing here in Syracuse, and, and all the way through. Uh, on a different note, Max, you know, McNamara and those guys, yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. On a different note, I wanted to ask you, here we are, you know, pandemic sports is one thing. Certainly, you know, social justice, athletes taking stands, what's going to happen with the anthem when football comes back? I mean, this is all front and center again. It, look, there was a time, ESPN made it pretty clear, like, if it's not sports related, don't touch it. Obviously, those rules have changed. So how have you guys embraced this? And what are kind of the new rules when mixing social justice, sports, athletes speaking out about that? Because as you know, there are people that will will give you the old stick to sports. We don't want to hear about that. We want to stick to the the games and take our minds off of that. But it, it kind of feels like you can't do that in this world anymore. Well, I would say, and by the way, you couldn't do that during the kind of countercultural revolution of the 60s and 70s either. Like, how could you? you could you talk about Bill Russell and Muhammad Ali and, and, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar without talking about what was going on in the, in the, in the, in the no world? Way. It was hard, right? No um, so what, is, so what, is the, what happened then and what's happening now especially, I think, is the, the stick-to-sports crowd. I get it. You got, you got busy lives and you, know, you, you watch sports to escape all that stuff, right? And so you don't want your troubles or the troubles of the world invading that stuff. The same reason you're not supposed to go into a bar and talk about religion or politics because it's divisive. You want to have a good time. Um, on the other hand, largely that crowd are um, white people. And the, the history of our country is such that, of course, those people want, it, want things to be normal because the hierarchy is such socially that normal benefits them. And what's happened during this pandemic, I think, what's been laid bare is, yeah, but hold on a second. Before we get back to normal, how about normal being okay for everybody? And by the way, that's not to say that, and when I say white people, you see it in our last election and voted as a monolith, basically. But that's not to say that white people or or people who go to work for a living uh, don't also have it hard in a lot of ways. Life is hard. Even in the greatest country in the world, life is hard. But but it's harder for some than others. You're behind the eight ball from birth due to reasons out of your control. And, and because te- class is tied to race in this country. And I think that has come to people's attention in such a way that, that there's broader support among especially younger people that, yeah, yeah, wait a minute, before we just get back to normal and forget all our troubles watching sports, we're not going to be able to escape into sports anymore. Because before we get back to normal, there should be some kind of new normal that's more equitable for everyone. In terms of ESPN, I think it remains like you don't want to generate political conversation. But if that inevitably is part of the sports conversation, if athletes are kneeling, if a politician says something and an athlete responds, then we have to cover that. And because that's happening increasingly, you hear more of it on ESPN. Max, last thought from you here. Uh, radio is certainly not foreign territory for you, but tell me what you want the new uh, version here of the Max Kellerman show to be. We're going to hear it weekdays 2 to 4 on ESPN Radio. Uh, how excited are you to get back in that field, and, and what do you want this show to be here this time around? Listen, let me tell you how excited the listeners ought to be for a second, okay? The worst part of your day is 2 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> I don't care what kind of job you have. You're delivering medical supplies. 
you're driving an Uber, you're, you're in an office job, maybe a fancy office job, you're, you're digging ditches, you're on a construction site, Where, whatever you're doing for a living, you already had lunch an hour ago. You know, you're, you're, you're feeling tired. Those carbs are kicking in. You, you, there's no break in sight. You got hours to go before quitting time, right? It's the worst part of your day. But now I'm an alchemist because you turn on the radio, you're driving around in the car, turn on the radio, you're at the office, maybe the boss isn't over, looking over your shoulder, turn on the radio. And now the worst part of your day is the best part of your day because you're hanging out with your boy, talking mostly about sports for the next two hours. No kids climbing on you, yelling and screaming, no spouse browbeating you, right? You're just hanging out with your boy, just you and your boy talking sports for two straight hours. And that's a reason to be excited. Max Kellerman, ladies and gentlemen, a pleasure to have him here on the program. Certainly don't always agree with what he says on first take, as many of you don't, but that's the point. If we agreed all the time, it'd be a pretty boring world. Looking forward to his new radio show, Hard Sell There, Good Sell as well, and covered a lot of topics there with Max. Unprecedented times that we are in is the man himself. You can find him digitally on the pages of Syracuse.com on Twitter as well. Always a pleasure to welcome Stephen Bailey on the show, On the Block ESPN Radio. What's up, Stephen? Not much. You know, just a normal day. Just, you know, canceling the college football season. Other yep. than that, you know. Other than that, not much. how was the play, Mrs. Lincoln? <laughs> exactly. This, this is just... Crazy. I mean, we. This has been a crazy year. Twenty twenty has just been unprecedented. I think that's a word we we come back to often. But to think, Stephen, that on August eleventh, okay, we're almost to the day that sports shut down on March eleventh, back a few months ago, that they would put millions of dollars on the line, thinking where coronavirus would be at this point versus when we went into this about five, six months back, to be sitting here today, I just couldn't form the words that these leagues would get to the point that they would do it, but here we are. How, how are you taking in what would be news that I, I could just never process until the moment here where we're at where we I guess we have to? You know, at this point, nothing surprises me. For months at the start of the pandemic, I had people asking me, what's going to happen, what's going to happen, what's going to happen? And I didn't know. And eventually, over time, you think to begin to know, and, and that's just a mistake in 2020. You can't assume to know anything. Um, so, no, you know, I'm, I'm not surprised. And, I mean, frankly, I think the Pac-12 and the Big Ten have been leaning this way for the last week to, to two weeks. Uh, so that doesn't surprise me. I, I think this was the domino that was going to fall. Now what will be interesting is, like you said, what do those other three conferences do? Um, we saw the ACC's top uh, top doctor from Duke, who's, I believe, a, mem- a member of the, the advisory committee that they've set up within the conference, basically say that he thinks college guys eligible, right? I mean, depth has always been an issue, uh, at least in the last 20, 25 years in Syracuse. So they're more susceptible to that than, you know, the teams that have second stringers who are really ready to play and, and the teams that don't have new coaches installing systems. So... Yeah, if, if they do play football this fall, it, I think it will be something like you've never seen. Well, not only that, Stephen, but how? what's been your sense of 
the attitude of the players. I think publicly they're saying all the right things and and what you know they would their coach would want them to say. And we're forging ahead and we're showing up and we're you know there's certain cliches you kind of have to lean on in this situation. But there was the situation we mentioned where they sat out practice and expressed their concerns about this. Syracuse players haven't been as active on social media with the we want to play hashtag and everything. But that aside, what's your read? on the players, on the team, their attitude. I mean, they have concerns like everybody else, but ultimately it seems like uh, they've kind of made their decision and they want to forge ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think you, I, I've tried to be very careful not to paint broad strokes here because there's more than 100 guys on that roster. So you've got a whole range of perspectives from I'm playing no matter what to, you know, Cooper Dawson's already said he's opted out. He doesn't even have all the details yet. I, I think... I would I would suffice to say the majority of guys in that room want to play if they feel like the ACC and, and Liberty, the non-conference game, are basically taking the same um, safety measures that Syracuse is. I mean, they don't want to start a season, not be able to finish it, and maybe use, lose a, a year of eligibility, right? Like, I've decided, I mean, and we'll see Friday when the Division One Council potentially gives eligibility news for opt-out players if we even get, if there is still a season on the table Friday. Um, you know, these guys don't want to waste a year of their eligibility on a season, but they also don't want to sit out and then let some of their teammates down. So I think you got a full range. Um, you know, there are other guys on the team who are, as Dino called them, pending. I think we will see more guys opt out kind of regardless. I don't know if that'll be only a couple or a handful or a dozen or, or what, you know. Um, so I think, I think you got a range. I, I think a lot of those guys in the locker room, as much as they want to play, you know, they want a straight answer one way or the other. It's either, hey, everyone's taking this as seriously as possible, and then we're going to go for it, or, like we said, kicking the can down the road, and, and whenever there's a season, you know, we'll be ready for it. And that's basically what, what Tommy DeVito said on the press conference today, and he put out a statement on Twitter last night. You know, basically all they can do is be ready for whenever they can play because it's out of their hands. Well, we'll continue to follow it, Stephen. It's certainly been interesting here, particularly in the past few days, as we've kind of gone to minute-by-minute status on how these things go. So we'll see what the next uh, minutes and hours bring here in college football and what the ACC decides to do. We know you'll be all over it, along with our colleagues Chris Carlson, Nate Mink, and the crew at Syracuse.com. In the meantime, thanks for the uh, insight and the time, as always, and we'll catch up down the road, my friend. Anytime, buddy. I'll talk to you soon.